Please note that the voices have been digitally altered to protect privacy. My son was a very, very good boy in yeshiva, and he was um, so good that he was valedictorian in Hebrew and English. He was learning, everything was great, and then he turned, like, the last year of high school, he started to, like, let go of things. And then all of a sudden, it's the tefillin, and all of a sudden, it was everything. And then it became, he became a different person. I couldn't talk to him. I didn't know what was going on. And it got so bad that he went to Eretzestral that year, and they say in Eretzestral he was really bad. He started to smoke weed and, and do all that stuff, and I didn't understand it because he was such a good boy. He never in my life gave me any problems, ever. And they told me he's really bad in Eretzestral. I was davening and hoping that's not true. He came back. As days went by, I saw how bad he was. He was in Gehenna. Like, he says, Ma, you don't know where I've been. He's been in the worst places. And not only that, he started to let it out on me, and he says, Ma, I can't help it. There's something wrong. There's something wrong with me. There's something going on. And he's been like that ever since. He was a total, total atheist. He started having conversations with me, how there is no God. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I should argue with him or not. I didn't know where to turn. It used to be like I used to deal with it like every other parent here. We're like, how could you talk to, that was about me. Like, how could you talk that way to me? Don't you know what I did for you my whole life? Like, that was all about you. But they don't get that. They're way past that. They're in literally Gehenna, and they can only lash out. And Avi taught me how to deal with it. And by coming to group, I realized that exactly what he was doing was exactly what all these children were doing. And they were not bad children. They're, or every child here is really a good kid. But the reason they're doing it is because when you're in pain, you lash out. You just lash out at anybody and everything. And he was going down where he was going to end up literally dead. Literally. And I'm trying to do what Abby teaches us, which is amazing. And I literally kept him alive. He's doing much better. He hugs me. He talks to me with respect. In fact, two days ago, he came into my room and said, do you know that I love you? I said, of course. Because I cannot tell you. In your worst nightmare, you can't understand how he treated me. Um... And I used to, like, fight back. Like, you, I used to try to teach him regular chinuch. Like, you're not allowed to do this to a mother, you know. But, like Avi pointed out to us, they're way past regular chinuch. They need twisted chinuch, saying, like, I understand. I understand you're in pain. And he calmed down from that so tremendously that he doesn't smoke weed. He doesn't need to smoke weed anymore. He, he has, he knows that somebody's understanding and listening to him and not saying, you're a bad kid, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad. And he, he got the fact that I'm seeing, oh, my God, something must have happened that hurt him so badly. And we're not talking about it, but I'm treating him so differently. And, and the fact that I'm not every day, it's a hound that he has to put on tefillin, and he has to daven. And then it hit me with Avi, like, I can't get him to be religious unless he's well first. He's not going to care about Hashem. He's not going to care about anything unless he's well first. And he's starting to put on a yarmulke, and he's starting to, like, talk to me. And, and like, he says, Hashem, in fact, on Shabbos, he makes sure, we go to my daughter, he makes sure that we make Havdal and time, make the brachas, and the children know everything. The turnaround is amazing. Like, literally... I saved him from death. He was really bad. I didn't know that these words can come out of a human being, never mind a uh, from person. Like, um, he, if we went into Bar Park, if he would see a from person, I know what happened if you see a Rebbe or whatever, and he would start screaming, do you know that they're all molesters? I didn't know what was going on. I don't know what the story is. So I would fight back with him. I said, are you kidding? It's one out of, out of thousands that you hear is a bad rap. He goes, you don't know, he starts screaming, the whole story, you don't know what's going on in the yeshivas. And he would go, I hate you so badly. Hitler didn't finish the job. He says, I want to see Jews like, I want the, I like my Jew, well done. His anger was so extreme that I thought that, like, I don't know what. And now he's so calm. And I go into Bar Park and it's fine. He sees a from person and it's fine. It took a year, a whole year of me doing what Avi says that he's calm. He's calm. I'm not saying he's well yet, but he's calm. And um, if I say anything Jewish or anything like that, he doesn't scream. He had a job 
and you know they're not well because they cannot keep a job. Like, it's amazing. I'm in a group with a lot of people, and it's the same story everywhere. If they have a job, they can't keep it. And he tried so hard. One day he said to me, Ma, I want to go to work. It's Gehenim staying home all day. Nobody wants to do that. It's much worse staying home, but I can't. I feel like I'm going insane. I can't. There's something wrong, and I can't. So I said, okay, stay home, because he just couldn't. And he says, you know that if I can, I would. And I said, I know. I said, until you can, it's okay. And he's just getting better from that kind of attitude. He's getting better because we all feel like we have to scream at them and tell them no, like, like stand up, and, and, but that doesn't work. I didn't know what Gehenim was until I went through the stuff with him. Like, that's Gehenim. Abby taught me how to deal with it. And therefore, because he sees that, he won't do anything extreme because he knows that I'm okay with it. Like, we have a dog now. That's what he wanted. I got a dog. I mean, never in my life did I think that I would have a dog. Um, I show him that I love the dog, even though I don't love the dog, but I show him that I love the dog. And I think through the dog, I was able to communicate with him because it showed him that even if he did the worst thing, something goes, Ma, I don't believe that you said yes to the dog because I don't think you would ever have. And that shows me that you really care about me because I'm telling you I must have this dog to live. How does it look to the neighbors? The neighbors don't matter anymore. Your child matters. It's literally like Avi says, it's emotional cancer. When he goes out with the dog, I am like so humiliated, but I take it because it saves his life. And he keeps telling me how, isn't the dog adorable? And I say, yes. And I do everything. And I want you to know that he, he's so much better. He's because he sees that I love him no matter what, no matter what. And it is hard. Of course, with the neighbors, it's very hard. A neighbor coming over to me and saying to me, she was crying tears. She hardly knows me. She came over to me. She's crying tears. They notice, they see. And of course it's a Shanda, of course, but what am I supposed to do? It's a very big Shanda, but I, I want to save my child. Change is that he's, he, he wants to live where he didn't want to live. Not only did he not want to live, but every day was like as if it was like open heart surgery without anesthesia. That's how he was feeling. He said, Ma, you don't understand. I feel like I'm in pain, torture, like somebody's ripping my skin off every single second. And he doesn't say that anymore. The worst was when he came back from Israel. Like I picked him up from the airport and like, yeah, we hugged each other. Hi, Ma, how are you? Great and everything. The minute we got into the car, it was like, how could, I didn't say a word, but like, what, what, how are you talking that way to me? Like, and I realized that some insanity set in. It's like an insanity because I started to argue with him about whether there is a God or there isn't a God. And I realized it wasn't about atheism. It wasn't about anything. It was about pain. Like, it didn't matter what I said. This whole thing was like, like, he didn't realize, he says, you're not my mother in the sense that we're all, he was like so messed up. Like we're all, he had to, he got messed up because he had to rationalize his pain. So he rationalized that I'm not his mother or sister or there's a brother. We're all one big family, humanity. And we are the worst people in the world because we judge other people, but we really all come from, you know, monkeys, we're evolved and there's no God and how dare you say there's a God and I wasn't allowed to say Hashem. In fact, I was in the car one time and somebody told me something and I said, Baruch Hashem. And he started screaming at me, how dare you believe in that stuff? How dare you say Baruch Hashem? And I was in shock. So I started to answer and he started screaming at me, you are such an idiot, you think there's a God. And it took me a while to realize that it's, there's nothing I can say that will change him, but I have to change, I have to change the way I deal with him because it wasn't making sense. Like, logic was not working. I literally believe, had I not come to Avi, he would be a statistic. He would be a statistic, meaning that he wouldn't be here anymore. Because you can't take that kind of pain. It's emotional pain that is so severe. And it doesn't go away. You think, like, you go to sleep and the next day you'll feel better. It does not go away. And they cannot sleep. And so they go insane because they haven't slept. And there's sleep deprivation. And they, they're literally insane. 
and they realize they're insane, and therefore they want to leave this world because they feel like the insanity is not leaving, and nobody gets me, and nobody understands me, so why am I here? What they have in common is that something happened to them. Definitely trauma. There's all different kinds of trauma. They don't talk about it because it's so painful. Like, I am so close to him right now, and he still cannot tell me what hurt him. But what gets, what the connection between them is trauma. And I want you to know that trauma makes you act a certain way that when we discuss in groups about how they're acting, they're as if they went to school together. They say the same things. They act the same way. They, um, it's, it's, it's all trauma motivated. Until I came to Avi, so I realized that he's not himself. There's some, there's extreme pain there, extreme. And they, none of them really want to live. And they act very, very, they, act out and they do things that they know that will ruin their lives for the rest of their lives and the chances at Shaddochim or anything like that, they know it and they cannot help it because they're in pain. They can't think logically. Oh my God, man, this move is going to affect me for the rest of my life. They don't even think that. They just want to get through that moment. That's why they start to smoke weed or do drugs because they have to numb the pain. That's the, oh, they're not bad kids. They're not turning to drugs because they want to do the type of drugs. They're turning to drugs to numb their pain. They are in such severe pain. Even though they know they may end up dead. If they continue down this road, they know it. Then these are not the stupid kids, these are the brightest kids. He said to me that there's no way he's getting married because, because he cannot give this over to a child. Like, the way he is, he cannot give this over to a child, and so he knows he's not well. It's literally like cancer, but it's emotional. And you don't see it on the outside. You look at them and they look fine. But the pain, he said to me, I ha he says, I feel nothing. I feel no joy and I feel no pain because the pain was so severe he had to numb himself. So he says, right now, I feel nothing. And they go around feeling nothing because the pain is so severe. They'd rather not feel joy than feel the pain. He says, he wants to erase his past. I don't know what it is. I don't know what happened. And I don't want to ask him if he's not ready, but something happened. He went for therapy. I didn't see anything because this therapist did not understand the whole thing. He went to regular therapy, which was a from person. I wanted only a from person. It was a from person, but he didn't understand it. And it was a year, once a week, and he wasn't getting any better. He was so angry. Angry like you couldn't even see a smile on him. Nothing ever, ever, ever. And he would let the anger out at me because there's nobody else he could let it out on. And until I came here... He actually comes to my room and says goodnight and says, I love you. He never could say, when I, was, I once said, I love you, when he came back, he says, how dare you say I love you? How dare you say I love you? And I was like flabbergasted, like, what, where is he coming from? They couldn't love. They couldn't do the basic thing in love, but they needed it. So now he's much better. I mean, I called Avi before I said yes to the dog, and Avi understood it. Avi said, you know, that he also doesn't like dogs, like we were all brought up that way. But had I not said yes to the dog, I would never see him smile again. And now he's smiling and he laughs. And we even went to my sister. Um, we spent Shabbos together, and they all know this. So he's totally different at the table. Like he 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 chimes into the conversation. He he laughs. He smiles. Before that, he just sat at the table, and everybody was in pain because they felt his pain. He would look. He sat at the table. This is this is like the genius of the class. Sat at the table and with his head down, with his eyes down, like he couldn't do. He couldn't face you. He couldn't make any eye contact. Now he does. Now he does very much so. If I listen to, I literally, I'm telling you, if I listen to what Avi teaches, it's immediate the response is positive. If I let, if I fall back to regular parenting, which happens a lot because it's so much training to like not yell when he talks chutzpahdik or anything like that. If I do fight back, I'm done. Like he, he's back. Like he's like, but if I understand why he's yelling at me, he's an angel.
extreme progress because I had sent him to therapy and I, I, from the day I sent him until a year later, he wasn't any less. Imagine walking around 24-7 being so angry. You can't exist like that. You can't. Not allowing any love or positive into you. You can't. You will die. And now it's like he loves. He loves. He's a human being. He's human. He's human. He realizes I'm his mother. He realizes that that his sister's a sister. I used to say to him when he came home from Israel, I said to him, come visit your, your nephew. He looks up to you. You're his hero. His nephew was like seven years old. He looked at me like, what are you saying, nephew? We are all humanity. He, he's not different to me than any other child in the street. And when I finally got into the place, to my house, to be with the nephew, the ne he was like six years old. He felt there's something wrong with my son because my son wouldn't even come near him. He wouldn't allow him to touch him because he said his skin hurt so badly. He said if he's touched, if you touch him, he's on fire. They take every kind of drug not to feel this pain. I'm here for like a year and a half. And he's not on any drugs anymore. He's not smoking weed. He's not doing anything. So many children here have the same story. So many children have gone from the depths of Gehenna to actually functioning. And none of them, none of them, had they gone to regular therapy, is there any change? Nothing. You just keep, you know, pushing the money and paying the therapist and nothing. I used to cry to the therapist. I used to say, I don't see any change. And I could see five years still paying for this therapist and seeing no change. He would come home with such anger. He knows he's not allowed to hit a mother. But his anger and whatever he's been through made him do it. Like, it's like, it's like, and then he would say, Ma, I'm so sorry. Like, he, he, he says, something is wrong. Something is wrong in my, they know there's something wrong in the brain. They know there's something wrong emotionally, extremely wrong. And they want to be better. They want to be part of our lives. They see what a beautiful life it is. And yet they're being thrown away. And if we turn our backs to them, we will lose them. When we share our stories, it is the insanity is the exact same. The exact same as if, like, as if it's pro exactly how it's supposed to be. Like, this is how insanity sounds. And every child here was their best child and their smartest child. They did very well in school. And then all of a sudden, um, the downfall, and you go, what happened? And the first day you go, what's going on here? And you, you go into denial. No, there's nothing wrong. And then you go, oh, my God, there's really something very wrong. And someone suggested me come to this group. And he's, he's alive because of the group. This was also, it was a learning process for me too, trauma. It's coming out first. The scientific knowledge is coming out now about trauma. Any kind of trauma will change you, the brain, the chemistry in the brain, where things, parts in the brain shut down. The normalcy of the brain shuts down. And they will do things that shock themselves because the pain did that. The trauma does something physically, besides the most physically in the brain in the brain chemistry because a person can't take so much pain, so the brain shuts down. I don't think anybody here had a problem child. Maybe they had a child with a problem, but they weren't a problem child. I don't know how many people care to save these children, but we care and Avi cares so much that he gives so much of his time. Like he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. He doesn't charge a cent. We call him two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. He has never said no. He's never not answered the phone. Your family member will not answer the phone. He answers the phone. Always. 
we were saying like he's a tzaddik and he is always sending us emails of chizok. Always. Like, you don't understand. I wait for his email because there are times that I cannot take it. And the email comes in and it's like a Dvar Torah or something. And it gives you such chizok and you say, okay, this is my nisayon. This is what Hashem gave me. And everybody has nisayonos and this is mine. And I have to be strong enough because another nisham is involved. And I have no choice. I want to get out of it just like anybody. I don't want this. You know, I was a happy person, and I want to have a happy life like everybody else, but this is what was dealt me. Where every, I know there's worse that people are dealing with. Just like you're there for a cancer child, why is it okay to be there for a cancer child when this is cancer, but you don't see it? It's inside. It is so severe. So I have to be there for him. It's not easy on us. It's hard work. It's very hard work. But the minute we see, like, improvement, it's like, I forget all the pain that it took to get there. And I also have a very, very strong support system. My family, I couldn't do this myself. My family's there. And, um, and I hope they're getting it also. Because until you go through it, you cannot get it. And I don't know how Avi got it, because Baruch Hashem, he has wonderful children. Baruch Hashem, he should always have wonderful children, because if there's anybody that deserves that, it's him. But he understands it so well that we say that he was put on this world to help us because we would have nobody else. And there are such fine people in this group. Every parent here you would, is a good parent. It had nothing to do with parenting. So it's like our parenting was stolen. Like somebody came and took it away, everything he tried. And they just took it and dictating your child. I didn't realize it's like a long, it could be five to 10 year journey. And he prepares us for that. And there's, there, there's such hush of people in this group. There's a man when he told me that the first year he came to Avi, he couldn't talk. Because he thought if he'd open his mouth, he would bawl. Like he wouldn't stop. He said he does not stop crying. And like there always comes like an Atkan moment. Like he, they say something and you go, okay, Atkan, I'm going to throw you out. Like that's it. I'm done. I don't care. And that's in the heat of the moment. Any tourists don't never, ever throw them out. And thank God. Because in the heat of the moment, you say, I don't care. I don't care. I'm just going to throw them out. I don't care if I never see him again because he's hurt you so badly. But then you go, oh, my God. If I had thrown him out, I would be in Gehenna for the rest of my life because I threw my neshama out. For what? Because he was chutzpahdik to me? There are cases, like somebody um, spoke about their neighbor. They went to Rebbe, and they said, throw him out. And they did. And they are now married to Schwarzer's. Living and having Shratz, they have Shratz of grandchildren. Tourists don't never ever throw them out. Don't ever throw them out. Ever. And the son's home and, and, and coming to the Shabbos table and Baruch Hashem not looking at any shikses or anything like that and not, no Shratzes or nothing and home with the parents. And it teaches how the siblings should react to this because the siblings also get affected. And the minute they feel they're loved at home, they will not. My son said to me, he says, I've been to New Orleans. This is what he said to me. I've been to, this is how much they need love. He says, I've been to New Orleans for a concert, and that's where I'm going to live because that's where love is. He goes, they love in the South. They love you, and I'm going to live there. And, and it, I, I got chills. Like, what are you talking about? We love you. They don't get that. You have to really prove that you love, they, that you love them because they will go out there and get love wherever they can because no human being can live without love. They will get it anywhere. They will go anywhere to get it to survive. He went to New Orleans and he's telling me what kind of dishes they eat there, like the rice to make for him. And I go, oh my God, he's insane. And then I realized he's insane from pain. 
Like, which child would come home and tell you, please make me the rice that I had down south? Because that's where he found love. Meaning the Goyim, the southern people, the hillbillies, I don't know, they show him love. They, he went all the way there to find love, and to the hillbillies, to like, I don't know where they all went, but they're searching for love, that's all they're searching for, for acceptance. They're searching that we, the from communities, should accept them, and understand that they're not doing anything to be bad, and understand that they're dressing differently because of pain, and not to judge them. I accept that he cannot get up in the morning, you don't stand. I said, knock on his door to get him up to Minion. It was Gehenim, him fighting me and me say, thinking that I must do that. I must get him up to Minion. And it was like taking somebody who can't walk and, and he's in a wheelchair and pushing him out of the wheelchair and, and say, walk. He says, but I can't. You're going to learn to walk. I'm going to tell you, walk, and you are going to walk. He goes, but I can't. I need a wheelchair. And you go, I don't care. You're getting, I'm enabling you with a wheelchair. Like you can stay in the wheelchair the rest of your life. He goes, but I am paralyzed. I cannot walk. You'll learn how to walk. That's what we were doing. That's what I was doing. I said, you're going to go to me. You're going to put on tefillin. You're going to do all that. You're not going to sleep till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They take pills to get through the days. They take, they take, they want to sleep because being up hurts. They really want, they want to die, but they don't have the courage to do it. They die by going to sleep. And that's the only time the pain stops, is if they're asleep. And everybody looks at it like laziness. They think they're lazy, and that's what I thought. I thought he was lazy. Until I saw that it wasn't laziness. It was like, I can't feel. I need to know myself not to feel the pain. Well, now the secular world is coming out with this kind of pain, and, and we see all the scientific, like Avi sends it to us, they're first seeing what trauma does, and they're repeating exactly what Avi knew years ago. They're saying this is not laziness, it's, it's something biological in their brain, and in their heart, and in their soul that has darkened them so badly that life could be so beautiful, but they cannot see it. They can't see the beauty, and, and when they go, they don't, when you don't see any daylight, ever, it's basically no more hope. You have to build their self-esteem. Like, do not ever yell at them. Do not ever say you have to do this. Do not force them to do anything. And he says, you have to build up their self, because their self-esteem has dropped to zero. You cannot exist with zero self-esteem. You have to constantly give self-esteem. I'm constantly telling them how good he's doing. And they're like a five-year-old emotionally. They may be 21, but they're five years old emotionally. Avi is the only one that is spreading the word, and everybody is understanding it because Avi is teaching it to everybody. There are times that he says to me, like we're going to Eretz Yisrael, so he says to me, maybe I want to live there, and maybe maybe I'll even learn. And I said to him, wow. And he goes, yeah, maybe. Like if um, a year ago... Never, never, ever would he, those words, and if I said that, I don't, I run the risk of him, I don't know what, but severe, like, Abby wrote a book, a manuscript, like 700 pages, and when we first came into this, everybody, when we first meet with Avi, he meets with us a whole day and explains it to us, and we look at him like, that's insane, not to tell him he has to get up, not to tell him he has to do this, not to, we're going to enable him, and, and he's going to think it's okay to smoke weed, and he's going to think it's okay to slack off. But just the opposite happens. If you push them, they're out of here. But if you show, that's okay, that's okay, they come back. 
they will fight you if you force them. But if you act like, it's okay, I understand, they feel the compassion and their pain level goes so much less and they can start to become human. They are dead people walking, that's what they are. They're only alive because they haven't done anything yet. It's something we never knew existed. I never knew that this level of pain exists. I never knew that pain makes you go insane. I never knew that, that these children who we see in the streets doing the things that they're doing is not taiva, it's, it's pain. Uh, he called me once when he was in Etisrael, and he said to me, what's the difference between taking like medicine to numb pain than taking drugs? So I said, well, medicine, you're under doctor's care. And they don't even care about tomorrow. They need to get through today or not. He is so honest to the penny, like everywhere he goes, to everybody. That can only be a good kid. So why is he acting badly? He's the most compassionate kid. Like, if I say something bad about a friend of his, he will defend him to the death because they're good kids. They're good to neshamas. They feel like they've been neglected or, like, thrown away. And that feeds on their pain. Like, if they're shown that we care about them, they become so much healthier. The details of each case may be different, but the whole underlying reason why this is happening is the same. I hope I made it clear. I guess like I just walked in and Avi just said, talk to you. And I hope I cleared you up on it. I don't know what the future brings and he's going up the right road right now. But if I hadn't come to Avi, I know that the worst would have happened. It just was a spiral, like, like on a roller coaster. It was like something that was, he was going to end up literally dead. Baruch Hashem, Chazde Hashem, this boy today is alive, functioning, clean, and in Shaduchim. This is Avi Fischoff from Twisted Parenting. To be added to my broadcast, please send a WhatsApp request to 718-902-6666.